0: To enter the void, this is episode five, and today we're going to be talking about something a little different. We're going to be talking about the future of transportation. I warned you in the description of this podcast that it was going to be all over the place, so this should come as no surprise to you. Now, even if you're not super interested in technology, This episode could still be interesting to you because it has a lot of relevance to what's going on in the world today. And almost everything that is said in this episode is going to be my opinion. (laughs) It's not going to be very strictly scientifically based or anything like that. I'm not a scientist, I'm not a physicist, I'm not an engineer. Um, I'm just a dude that really likes to think about this kind of stuff. So (laughs) with that being said, the first thing that I want to do today is talk about the history of transportation. And I want to do that because it's cool and we can see where we've come from. And then I want to talk about the state of transportation today. It's like, why is transportation so interesting to you? Well, it's because it's it's a way to express our our freedom and autonomy as humans like we you know we all have cars and we're able to go wherever we want pretty much wherever there's a road we can go um and if you have a vehicle like a wrangler or a bronco or a forerunner um then you can even go where place places where there's no roads so um Anyway, let's talk about the history of transportation. This is pretty cool. So starting in 4000 B.C., horses and camels were domesticated and used for transport. So we got smart and we were like, hey, those animals are strong um, and they're fast. So let me take a seat. 3500 B.C., fixed wheels on carts are invented. So that's obviously a game changer that allows us to um, carry bigger loads, because you can't put, you know, a ton of bricks on top of a horse. But you can put a ton of bricks on a cart and have the horse pull the cart. So that's a big deal. Then, at the same time, or around the same time, river boats are invented. So that allows us to travel across bodies of water, which is pretty cool. Now, 2000 BC, the first chariots are built. Now, that is, um, you know, chariots were mainly used in combat. So, and I believe the Egyptians invented chariots, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, though, so it is what it is. I'm also not a historian. Then, in 312 BC, so (laughs) we have... Um, a little under two thousand years later, and you get paved roads that are built by the Romans good job guys we We finally figured out that uh paving a road is probably a better way to make a more consistent surface for us to travel on so it took us a while there and then, in ten forty four a d so we're skipping you know almost another thousand years. The compass was invented in China, so that's a pretty big deal. Um, Using the magnetic poles of the earth to figure out where you're at and where you're going, that's pretty big. Then in 1662, so we take another huge leap. (laughs) Um, The first horse-drawn public bus was invented. That's pretty... That's pretty cool, too, actually, because now multiple people can travel in the same thing, and that's really efficient, and I think we were starting to get some, some good ideas there. 1783, the first hot air balloon was launched. Um, are they practical? No. Are they cool? Yes. So we, we had fun with that one. Now, 1801, the first steam road locomotive is run. So it's not a railway train, it's a road locomotive, they're different. Um, I'm not really aware of all of the differences, but it's different, okay? Then 1814, so not too long after, the first steam-powered railway train is built by George Stevenson. So that is obviously a really big deal, because a horse can only pull so much. You have a steam-powered train, and all of a sudden you're able to transport a lot of heavy stuff a really long way. So keep that in mind. 1816, the earliest bicycle is made. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's more like the hot air balloon, in my opinion, when it comes to how transportation affects economics. But it's still cool. You know, bicycles are cool. Um, And I believe that was the one with the really, really big front wheel and the small back wheel. Um, Again, I could be wrong, but 1816. Now, in 1900, the first successful airship was built by Ferdinand von Zeppelin. So we're talking about the uh, the Zeppelin, which is pretty cool. Um, Again, how practical is it? I don't know. But it's still really cool. Um, and and quite dangerous from what we know from the history books. So 1904, the Wright brothers fly the first motor-driven aeroplane. That's a big deal, right? This is uh, a huge leap. So in my mind, some of the biggest leaps, we have the horses and camels, we have the, the wheels on the carts, right? Then river boats, and then the compass made in China, I think the horse drawn public bus is kind of like in the middle because it is really cool that you can like take multiple people and a lot of the things following that uh took note like the uh like the zeppelin and the the train uh so the train's a big deal I think uh the Wright brothers flying the first airplane is also a really big deal. We're able to effectively um and quickly actually take to the sky and and travel long distances because of what they did. Now, in 1908, this is kind of crazy. I didn't realize this. The Wright brothers fly the first motor-driven airplane in 1904. Four years later, the first Ford cars are manufactured. So if you notice, this is also something really interesting. We have 500 years approximately from when Horses and camels are domesticated to when fixed wheels on carts are invented. Okay. We have another 500 years until they decided to have the horses pull chariots, which warriors would stand on. And then from there, it's another thousand years until we invent the compass, right? And then... You have the 1900s, right? Where we the Zeppelin was built in 1900, and then four years later, the Wright brothers, brother, <laughs> the Wright brothers, fly the first motor-driven airplane, and then four years later, the first Ford cars are manufactured. That's kind of crazy. So you can see the uh, how how technology compounds. That's that's really cool. And I, I think that's going to be important for all of us to keep in mind as we go into this episode. Uh, maybe some of my ideas won't seem so crazy. If you remember that we went from the, in, in basically a hundred years, we went from the first like steam road locomotive to flying. And it took a thousand years to, to make similar progress. Um, in in previous history so let's move on 1942 the v2 rocket travels 200 kilometers that's pretty impressive 1947 so just five years later the first supersonic flight takes place that's that's crazy that's crazy so 08 first ford cars are manufactured less than 40 years later a v2 rocket travels 200 kilometers that's a big deal And then five years later, the first supersonic flight takes place. We literally break the sound barrier in 1947. Just 40 years, roughly, after the first airplane was even created. Guys, this is how crazy technology is. It advances so fast. 1957, just 10 years later, the first man-made satellite, Sputnik 1, launched into orbit. So we... We got off of the planet. Um, We didn't, but the satellite did. 1981, the first flight of the space shuttle lifts off 20 years after the first manned space flight. So this is pretty crazy stuff. We go from the first time we're able to get into the air, really, in 1783 with with the hot air balloon. And then in 1981, just 200 years later, we have, like, people going up in space. Uh, We had people up in space before that, too. So I wasn't finding it on the list that I was looking at, but I just found it. I wanted to point out uh, when we landed on the moon, the Apollo 11 mission. So Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon... uh, On July 21st, 1969, at 2.56, Mountain Standard Time. That's pretty crazy. So we have 1960, wow, the summer of 69, we landed on the moon. I did not know that. I'm actually going to listen to that song again, the summer of 69, and I'm going to see if it references the moon landing because that's really, really interesting. History did not was not that interesting to me, um, especially American history. I did like world civilization history, like uh, ancient China and ancient Egypt. Uh, I was always interested in that, but they only had like a really small class for that my junior year. And every other time it was American history, um, which we we all know the system has been created to make us believe a certain version of history. And there's a lot of stuff we don't know about. So that kind of stuff is interesting to me now. But anyway, you have summer of 69, right? So the V-2 rocket travels 200 kilometers in 1942. 47, the first supersonic flight takes place. Okay, 1957, the first satellite, Sputnik 1, launched into orbit. And then summer of 69 is when we landed on the moon and took our first steps on the moon. And then 1981, the first flight of the space shuttle lifts off 20 years after the first manned space flight. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So the reason why I go over all this is because we started in 4000 BC riding horses and camels. And it took forever for us to make progress. But everything that came along, it sped it up. And so then we we basically have you know thousands of years in between horses and camels and paved roads which is ridiculous right and then we have just a couple hundred years from when we when we invented the first horse-drawn public bus to when we landed on the moon crazy stuff so that's a little uh fun history uh about oh I think, uh, I'm not going to say her name, but the um, the AI that comes with Apple products, she thought that I was talking to her, and she cut my mic off. All right, so let's talk about transportation today, right? Because if we're going to talk about the future of transportation, we need to know where we came from, we need to know where we are, so that we can figure out where we're going. So where are we today? We are in the middle of a government forced transition from gas powered vehicles to electric powered vehicles that's just the truth the government uh, governments all over the world are forcing companies to go go electric um now i have my own opinions on that and maybe we'll get to that but that's what's happening right um I don't think these companies want to do it this quickly, like by choice, because it's really, really expensive. We do not have the infrastructure to support it. Um, It's, you know, electric cars are just expensive right now, um, and it's really hard to get the costs down. I want to talk about how I feel about this whole thing and why, because I think it impacts my opinions about where we're going. But just to preface, right, we are in an age of mass personal transportation. Like everybody has a car. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. Like we have highways and interstates and city streets and even suburban roads. Like there's a road everywhere now. And they do get more sparse the further west you go in the United States at least. And I actually watched a really interesting video that talks about how the east side of the United States is like really, really uh, populated and dense. And apparently there's a there's a diagonal line um, that you can draw starting somewhere in Texas and you draw it uh, heading northeast all the way up to like Illinois or something like that. If you draw that line... Everyone to the east of that line, the population of the United States is 80-20. So on the east side of this line, 80% of the people in the United States live on the east side of that line, and only 20%. Yes, even with the high population in Oregon, Washington, and California, even with that, everything in the, on the west half of the United States only makes up 20% of our population. And they were talking about the reason for that is because there is less water and we need water to thrive. There's more barren wasteland in the West that we just can't populate. If you look over in the East, it makes sense. There's lakes and rivers and waterfalls and underground caves with underground lakes and wells and, uh, you know, just like so much water on the East side of the United States and uh, that's why it's, you know, the population is 80-20. <laughs> um, that's, that's really interesting. But really the point is that everybody has access to transportation now. And I say everybody loosely. You guys know what I mean by that. Um, you know, even for people that don't have cars, there's still typically some sort of transportation, public transportation, like a city bus or something. Um, and what's interesting is you notice some, some city transportation is on rails. Uh, I believe Kans if I'm not mistaken, Kansas city, Missouri has, uh, like a tram on rails. I could be thinking of a, the wrong city, but then you have some that are gas powered, like Springfield, Missouri, where I'm from. And then you have some that are electric. So here in Nashville, I believe there's some electric buses. Uh, there's still some gas ones, but. Yeah, like we're in and we're in a time where we can get in a you know two to seven thousand pound vehicle that's ours. Uh, I say ours loosely as well because we have to pay the government every single year just to keep it um, with the money that we already paid tax on twice. Uh, that's another thing. So. Yeah, but we can hop in our cars and we can go 100 miles an hour if we want to on the highway to wherever we want. That is that is absolutely crazy. You know, and the, and this is just what uh 100 years after the first car was was built, like nuts. Absolute nuts. So, what does this mean for us, right? It means that As humans, like, it seems like we're kind of at the peak of transportation. Like, yeah, our cars can get faster. uh, They can get more efficient. But there's not really a whole lot more to explore. Like, we have subways. We have trains. People don't really take trains anymore. They take maglev trains, I know, uh, (laughs) which are like supersonic subways, basically, in other parts of the world. Um, you know, and you have other things like ski lifts and, you know, other forms of transportation, but like overall cars are it like cars dominate the transportation industry. Yes. You have planes to go overseas really long distances really fast, which is of course incredible, but cars are where it's at. You know, everybody's got to have a car and, I think that this is going to be important to keep in mind as we go into our our segment of the future. But I do want to touch on my opinion about electric cars. I think that it is important to care about the environment and care about the earth, right? Like we only have one planet that we can live on as of now. And Even if we had 10 planets we could live on, it wouldn't make it right to, um, you know, not appreciate this one and not take care of this one. Especially because we're not the only ones here. There's plenty of animals that, you know, it's not within their power to change what we're doing to the planet. And so it's our responsibility to take care of it. You know, uh, my wife and I were at Walmart yesterday. And we just – we were parked in the parking stall and someone else was in their car in front of us. And they rolled their window down and threw this like wrapper out of their car. Um, not like Eminem or Juicy J or 50 Cent. What we're talking about um, like a candy wrapper or whatever. So that was a stupid dad joke. They throw this wrapper out their window and the trash can was like a couple steps away, and it's it's like, wow, um, you 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 have a problem, right? Like, I don't know, I don't I don't know why people do that. Now, me on the other hand, like you know, if I'm driving down the highway or you know down down a road, down a street or something, and I've been like eating an apple or a banana, yeah, like I'll throw that out the window, right? Because it's biodegradable. Like it'll decompose really fast, and you know maybe there's a, a bird or something that'll appreciate the apple core. Um, I think like biodegradable food that's natural is is a different story. Um, maybe even that isn't the best thing. I don't know. But regardless, the point that I'm getting to is I think that the government's forcing these car manufacturers to go electric. As soon as they are is actually really really bad the, this may be a hot take I do want to put this out there that I love hybrid vehicles I think it's brilliant I think putting a sizable battery in a car that's gas powered that basically minimizes the emissions by like sometimes 50 percent like if you if you uh, I, I drive a Corolla hybrid It's a 2021 Corolla hybrid. The thing gets like 55 miles to the gallon without even trying. Like I do not baby it. My wife doesn't baby it. Like we're not like, you know, driving like the first boomers that got the Prius where they're just like trying to make it run on battery the whole time because it's cool. Like we do not baby this thing. We drive it like a normal car and it gets 55 miles to the gallon. No problem. If we babied it, it would get like 57, 58 probably. That's that's crazy, right? And this is a, um, you know, it's a, it's a small sedan, but like that's just crazy. I love hybrids. I really do. I think that it is a, just a great way to, you know, minimize emissions, get more gas mileage, save some money in the long run, and that's cool. So... It's like, well, why do you think electric cars are a bad idea? I don't think that electric cars are a bad idea. What I do think is that people are very, very misled uh, intentionally, the the media intentionally. You know, governments, media, they're all the same. Um, They're intentionally misleading us by convincing us that electric cars are better for the environment. I want you guys to get on your phone Uh, If you're driving, don't do that right now. But get on your phone and look up what a lithium or a cobalt mine, what they look like. There are people in third world countries, even, even children, that are being forced to work in these mines that these mines are required to make batteries, right? Like we require more batteries than ever before. And what it takes to mine the materials used in batteries is so bad for the environment. You have these big gas-powered machines digging these massive holes in the earth just to find little bits of cobalt and lithium and whatever else they use in batteries. It's like nobody thinks about this. Oh, batteries are good for the, the environment. It's like, okay, well, what did we have to do to mine the stuff that you made the batteries with? Nobody's thinking about this. And then to top it off, the, the worst part, in my opinion, is that there's people that are getting paid absolutely nothing in these third world countries where it's hotter than hell, down in these massive pits in the ground. Guys, look it up. Look at pictures of a cobalt mine. And you have children down there that are like not getting enough food and they're, they're just mining away all day every day. And it's the same thing. It's like people will send, you know, they'll tweet, "Oh, f everybody who drives a gas-powered car, you know, f you for not living a sustainable lifestyle, f you for, you know, eating steak, what anything else that you can think of, right? Where people are mad at you for, for not being as sustainable as you can be, and they're tweeting it from their iPhone." whose components were mined by some k- child in Ghana or wherever it is. It's like the, the blind hypocrisy is, is just wild to me, right? But it's not all our fault. Like we do not have access to good information. This is why TikTok, the whole TikTok ban is becoming a huge deal because we learn things on TikTok that we would not learn from any other source, especially in the United States. But seriously, look up what a cobalt or a lithium mine looks like and you guys will start to get an idea of why electric cars do not offset our carbon footprint not not yet. Maybe they will someday, but these mines are ridiculous. Now, if there's a way that we could uh, this is going into the future, so I want to I want to pause. I think electric cars are great, right? They're cool. Um, let's take the the fact that there are people getting paid nothing and working ridiculous hours and doing super hard, difficult manual labor um, in these mines day in and day out and the fact that the thing that we have to mine the, the batteries with, basically, are giant gas-powered or coal-powered vehicles. Um, it, and, and none of it makes sense, right? All of that aside, let's look at our power grid, right? You have California where by the way the 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 only place that you could really drive a hydrogen powered car, which yes, those exist um Toyota has like the Toyota Mirai. The only place you can buy it and or drive it is California or Hawaii because they're the only places with hydrogen fuel stations um hydrogen's a whole other bag of cats but what i'm saying is california does rolling blackouts their electrical grid cannot support the amount of electric cars out there the same is true for texas There, texas was having huge issues especially with the uh the ice storms i think it was last year maybe it was the year before and yeah they they just like everything was shutting down their electrical grid can't handle it. Do you guys really think that any other place in the United States is different? California is one of the, the newer places, relatively speaking, in the United States. Like the, the, oldest, the oldest places that we have in the U.S. are on the East Coast, which is where we first colonized. And then the further west you go, the more new it is. So California cannot support all of these electric cars. So what happens when they just say, nope, you can't charge your car? Where are you going to go? You don't have a gas-powered vehicle because you're above that. (laughs) What are you going to do? So it's just absolutely wild. It's like we we are going to have to figure out a better way to generate electricity. We're also going to have to figure out a better way to – Create batteries because what we're doing right now is not sustainable. We are having to make these ridiculously ugly, massive holes in the ground. It's like, what? Okay, so what happens when we're done with that mine? Do we just leave it there? Do we, you know, put, do we turn it into a landfill where we just pour all of our trash into it? I don't know. But do we build a city down there? I don't even know if that'd be safe. Um, My point is that things take time, right? And we were looking at the history of technology and how it takes, you know, it took a thousand years for them to make a very simple leap, right? From, from domesticating horses to the first wheel. That's a wheelie long time. (laughs) Um, but then, you know, you have like the 19, sixteen to 1900s where things just sped up really fast. I think this may be another point in our history where it's going to take a little bit of time for us to get this figured out. Because right now, forcing everybody to go electric by 2030 or whatever it is, is absolute insanity. Our infrastructure cannot support it let alone the environmental impact that battery mining has. We don't see it because we're not mining for the, the materials here in the United States. We don't talk about it. And they don't want you to know because they want you to think that you're being sustainable and eco-friendly by buying an electric car. It does not make you a better person. <laughs> it just doesn't because it, the environmental impact is not offset in my opinion electric cars are just as bad for the environment at the moment now i hope in the future they won't be because i think batteries just make sense the you know the torque response is instant like you don't have to wait for the you know the gears to be moving and you know the the cylinders to get pumping for you to get power like you guys know how teslas are or like rivian if you guys have heard of rivian they make a, a truck and a in an suv they're a new company um audi e-tron you name it like battery powered vehicles are really quick um which is cool so i love battery powered vehicles but i don't think that people understand that they are still pretty bad for the environment right now Um, but just in the the front end okay so there's this huge push for electric vehicles right but we have a problem and i'm I'm transitioning into the, the future of technology now we have a problem and that problem is that cars are getting really really expensive partially because of the fact that we do not have A good grasp on the battery electric technology for for vehicles yet we just don't like you look at the tesla model s plaid which is an absolute bullet of a vehicle but it's still like really difficult to pull off and it's expensive i was talking about rivian the rivian r1s which is their uh their suv i think it's like a hundred thousand dollars or something for, for a three row SUV. And yeah, like, you know, you have the Cadillac Escalade, which kind of bumps up into that territory. You have the Lexus LX or the Land Cruiser, which bumps up into that territory. Um, you know, you have plenty others, but like that's really expensive. And even some of the smaller, you know, all electric, like you can't even get an all electric, uh, Toyota for, you know, under forty thousand. You have like the the Rav Four Prime, which is a plug-in hybrid, so it's still not a fully electric vehicle. And I think that thing's like forty-five thousand dollars or something like that for a Rav Four. I like Rav Fours. Don't get me wrong, but geez, forty-five thousand dollars, right? And then you know you have the gas-powered Corolla, just as a personal example, which is about twenty thousand, and the the hybrid is four thousand dollars more. It takes a long time for the amount of money that you save on gas to offset that extra $4,000. It's it just like it's getting so expensive. And yes, everything else is getting more expensive because we're dealing with a crazy amount of inflation. But why do I bring this up? It makes me question how much longer we have, um, uh, how much time we have, For people to have their own vehicles. At what point is it going to just become too expensive to have a personal vehicle? Because here's what's happening, right? The price of everything is raising really, really fast. But the amount of uh, breakthroughs that we're having with battery electric vehicles and like how effective we are at making them, how efficient they are, how far they can go. Again, not even taking into account how horrible the mining is for the environment. Like, that is moving much slower than the the price is raising. So unfortunately, it seems like it's going to get to a point where it's just too expensive to own your own vehicle. Now, this is for the general public, of course, right? There there are always going to be people that can afford to do whatever they want. Um, Public transportation might just be the future. But I want to break this down into uh, – I want to paint a picture, okay? There's a couple other factors to take into account. The first factor is that the world population actually declined. I cannot remember. Maybe it was last year. Um, it was recently that the world population actually started going down, and it wasn't because of COVID – We've had pandemics before like Ebola, uh, the swine flu, uh, you know, Black Plague. Like the world in general has had multiple pandemics. And even after that, like the world population still continues to go up because more people are having more babies and blah, blah, blah. Guys, for the first time pretty much in history, the entire world population I believe is still on a decline. What? What does that mean? That means that basically young millennials and Gen Z aren't having babies yet or they're having fewer, like one or two instead of 10. So what happens if this trend continues? Like there's a lot of things that contribute to, um, you know, people not having as many kids, right? Some of us just don't want to bring kids into this crazy world. Um, some of us are just taking our time. Like my wife and I have been married for three years. We're probably going to wait another three, at least to start having kids. Like that's because we want our relationship to be in a good place. I think the younger generations are really, really care about doing parenting right. Because there's been a ton of abuse that has been perpetuated and has just gone on for too long unchecked. And we, we got the brunt of it. Gen Z, young millennials, we got the brunt of it. And even, you know, Gen Alpha, like we're realizing parenting is not a game. It's not a joke. It's not, it's not cute to have kids. If you're going to bring kids into this world, you better do it for the right reason. And you better be prepared for it. So I think that's the main reason why the population is declining. There's more people dying than there are being born. So the question is, will that continue? Does that continue? I don't know. Let's just say that it doesn't, right? Let's say it's just kind of happening for this generation. Like there's a little bit of a, uh, a pause, like the population increases on pause. We're just kind of taking time to reset This generation is making sure that we're ready to be parents and that we're going to do it right. We're making sure that we spend a few years, you know, actually developing a relationship with our spouse instead of our relationship just being about having kids so that it's healthy. And let's just say it's on pause for the moment and then it will continue to increase as it always has. If the population continues to increase and technology continues to, uh, to grow, we, the world is going to look very different in a few hundred years. We are going to start to run out of space. Let's say we do it right, we're going to need dedicated areas for you know growing like bamboo and trees, uh, just agriculture in general. Is gonna we're gonna to have to be very, very strict about like not building in places that we need to grow things uh, because you can't grow trees out of concrete, <laughs> not effectively right so there are going to be places all over the world that we're going to have to dedicate to growing things but overall the saturation of buildings is going to increase and at some point we are going to have to continue to build upward right so eventually hundreds and hundreds of years from now there's just like the world's just going to be one giant city I don't know if we have enough materials on the planet for that. Um but that's not really that's not really the point. The point is that there's going to be a lot of really tall buildings everywhere because we won't have any more room to grow out. Now, people on the coast, west and east or really just any coast where there's a big city, they they see a big city and they're like, "Dude, like we're running out of space." We're not running out of space yet if you've ever been to the Midwest, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like there, there's a lot of untouched land. You'd be surprised. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, we could just build a building everywhere because again, we need dedicated spaces for, for things to grow, uh, cause we need to eat and we need to build stuff. So in a world where it is getting really, really expensive, It's just too expensive for most people to own their own personal transportation. And in a world where the buildings are really tall and there's a lot of them and it's everywhere, what does transportation look like? Okay, we can still have dedicated areas for airplanes, right? I think airplanes are still going to make sense for a long time because they're quick. Um, no, they're not the most efficient, but they're getting more efficient. And uh, yeah, so we can make space for airports too, right? But let's just talk about day-to-day travel. What does that look like? Well, I think maglev trains are a really, really good option. Again, um, I, don't know, I don't know what we need to create magnets. I would assume it's similar to what we need to create batteries, so again, how, you know, eco-friendly is it going to be? I don't know. But are batteries efficient? Yeah. So maglev trains, I think, are a great option. And I, th- I think it's most likely that public transportation is going to be how most people get around. And I think you'll be able to get around pretty quick. Maglev trains are really, really fast. I believe some of them go up to 200 kilometers an hour or maybe it's miles per hour. They're, they're quick. You can look it up. Okay. So, what about the people that can afford personal transportation, right? And here's what I'm saying it's like roads and in, in the traffic that roads create, they're really difficult. Like, it's just really inefficient. You have a ton of individual cars that, you know, seat five people that only have two, one or two people in them right sitting on the highway for a couple hours because there's a traffic jam and this happens every day at rush hour and they're all gas powered spitting a bunch of fumes into the air i mean i would imagine that's going to be a problem that we're going to have to tackle and again the more buildings that are built the more dense cities are going to get at like at what point do roads just get in the way at what point do roads just take up too much space and we need to build buildings in between buildings? So let's imagine a world where there's no roads anymore. Not, not in the city, at least. It's basically just one giant building of sorts. Well, in that instance, then underground maglev trains make sense, right? And then Wherever you get off, there's an elevator that goes up into the building that you want to go up into. But again, there's always going to be an option for the really rich people to, you know, have what they want. Um, You know, I think if you have a lot of money and you've earned it uh, somewhat ethically, you should be able to buy what you want to buy. Um, So what what about them, right? I think drones are part of the future as well. I've actually, for a while, I thought drones would just be the future for for everybody, but I'm realizing now that electric vehicles are getting so expensive and they're being forced on us, and it's just getting harder and harder to afford a car. Interest rates are up. And again, all these things could change, but just based off of how they look right now, it's looking like tra- public transportation is probably going to dominate and then the people that can afford personal transportation if there's no roads what choice do you have but to take to the sky and park on the roof (laughs) so here's my idea you have self-driving technology right you have teslas that can drive themselves which is pretty cool well i think that taking that software and taking that idea to the sky would actually be easier to implement than it is on the ground. Let me explain. Um, the year is 2080. And uh, you're a somewhat wealthy person. You open your garage and you your drone, your drone that can fit four people, or maybe drones can only fit one person, but I would imagine families will still exist. So let's just say four people. Maybe the government has put a uh, a cap to how many kids you can have. <laughs> so you can only have two kids. Um, so your drone that fits four is r- wheeled out of your, your garage and the wings you know unfold, they snap into place, you get in, everyone gets in, and you guys are going to go to the mall, right? You're going to go get some shoes for your kids and go get a purse for your wife and you're going to go get... Um, you're going to go get a nice leather jacket, right? I don't know. You guys are going to go to the mall. So you sit in your vehicle, which is a drone, and you type in your destination, and the system does a quick uh, route check. It goes point A to point B in a straight line, which is really efficient, and the way that it makes sure you don't hit anybody else is it calculates any other like paths that will cross your path in the air from other people that have drones. And then it adjusts your elevation accordingly. So every time somebody wants to go somewhere, they have to type their destination in and it's autopilot. And so, if there's five people that are going to cross your path on your way to the mall at any point, then it will set your altitude to either higher or in the middle or below or whatever, those other paths, so that you will not cross each other. And there will be a, you know, 30 to 50 foot buffer in between. But basically, it's all autopilot. Now, maybe the drones have a, you know, self fly feature, but you would need a pilot's license for it. um, And you would still need, you know, to be like in the system and, and verify your altitude and things like that. But then it makes sense instead of parking garages being a thing. There's going to be less people that own personal transportation. Most people are going to be traveling underground in maglev trains and, you know, subways, which I think subways are just too slow for it to make sense for the majority of the population. Um, So, yeah, you have these maglev or battery-powered trains that are taking most people underground. There's no need to park anywhere because you didn't drive. You took the train. So then in this really dense city where maybe there's no space in between the buildings you have parking on the roof and the people that have the money for it can take their drone from point a to point b in just a couple minutes fly in a straight line and then it, the the drone lands on a landing pad and of course they have wheels because they still need to roll into place But as soon as the drone lands, the wings fold up so it's compact. You guys know drones today do this. You know, you have the DJI Phantom or whatever. Um, It's probably not the Phantom anymore. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, the wings fold up. Like you can put those things in really small cases. But then you unfold the wings and they're, they're pretty big. So the wings fold up and the drones roll into their parking spot. And then you take the elevator down into the mall. And this way, we're able to have more buildings, more people, the people that can afford to have personal transportation. You can't have a car because <laughs> there's no roads anymore. So you have a battery-powered drone. And as the drone rolls onto the parking garage, you can maybe pay an extra fee to have it get charged for you. And again, public transportation... Um, will be one of two ways. You either have a pass that allows you to go wherever you want to go um, and you pay monthly for that pass or uh, it's free but you get taxed out your ass for it and uh, either way you're going to pay for it. So uh, I think airplanes will st- probably still be a thing for a long time. Now we could look way into the future with transportation and you know, we could look at like the the tubes in uh, meet the robinsons <laughs> where maybe there is personal transportation but i just don't like <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense i don't know how you would even do that i feel like if you got in one of those tubes it would just like bust your ears like your ears would just like explode from the the pressure because you're like in a vacuum i don't know i don't know how that would work so i'm curious what you guys think that is my um Maybe not my ideal future. My ideal future would be everybody has a drone and everybody can fly where they want to fly. I just – the future either is going to be really bright or really grim. Um, I don't know where we're going. We could talk about future technology in a future episode, but today it has been all about transportation. So all the way from the first time that we domesticated horses and camels in 4000 B.C., all the way to, you know, let's say maybe uh, the 22nd century where the rich people have drones and everybody else takes the public transportation. That's what I see happening. Um, Curious what your guys' thoughts are. Do you think that I'm way off base? Do you think I'm on to something? Do you think I'm a maniac? Do you hope I'm right? Do you hope I'm wrong? Uh, feel free to uh, let me know you can find me on instagram at nolan void music you can follow me there and i appreciate you all for listening this has been a really fun episode and i will catch you in the next one